When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Yablet! Four goals to Ablett. Oh, oh. Justin Madden's got the sit. One hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken. Matthew's in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Hey, Matthew. And hey, Australia. It's that time of the week again. When we welcome you to This Is Your Football Life, and the VFL and AFL is a wonderful Australian game. It's our game. We love it. And thousands of men have played the game at this the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact. And a select few folks make a lasting impression that will indelibly be recorded in the history of the game forever. Such is the case with today's guest. He played 237 games for Sydney between 1995 and 2009. He is a premiership player, and I laugh at uh, a lot of people who say, oh, you know, you're a former premiership player. No, you're a premiership player for life, and we'll talk to our star uh, guest today about that. Premiership player 2004, All-Australian 2004-2005. And let me introduce our guest by saying, I'll, I'll just thank Stephen Quartermain for this, Leo Barry, you are a star. G'day, Rick. How are you? How are you, man? Well, I'm good. But that's a pretty fair CV. Um, it all started in Daniloquin. Are you at all surprised at what you achieved and the heights that you did scale at the highest level of your chosen sport? Yeah, yeah, probably. It's um, you know, as a, as a young kid, sort of, uh, you know, growing up in a little little rural town uh, like Daniloquin. You know, as a kid, I was just so passionate about playing footy, and all I wanted to do was play, you know, at, at the highest level and. And even when you uh, even when you do get drafted and get to a football club, it's uh, that's only when that's basically when the really hard stuff starts. And it, uh, I had a bit of a slow start to my career, and you know, as the years sort of transgressed and uh, you know went past it, you know, I slowly improved my own football and uh, and being a sort of consistent uh, contributor to to the footy club. But um, when you reflect on it now, it's uh, and it goes. You know, I played 15 years; it goes so damn quick. But. Oh, yeah. um, the, the, the memories uh, that you sort of reflect on, I was, I was certainly fortunate to play in, a, in such a good, uh, for such a great football club, and you know, to win a premiership—that's that's what it's all about. You wait till the next forty years, mate, and you get to my stage, and you're uh, doing a show called "This Is Your Footy Life," sponsored by <laughs> Tobin Brothers. You only got one way to go. It's a one-way ticket, there, Leo. Um, just uh, without being too flippant. Were you a star as a kid? Were you a standout? Because so many of the common denominator blokes that I talked to, a lot of them weren't stars, and you sort of intimated that you started off a bit slow. Yeah, look, as a kid, look, I, I played uh, state footy, or maybe like the New South Wales team in primary school, 
pretty much or made the, every every rep rep squad till uh till I sort of got drafted. Um made under fifteen all Australian, one player of the carnival. Um and you know, that so that that development sort of went through and was at even at an early age I um I, I developed pretty pretty quickly. So but it's like anything and you see it every year, like, you know, you always get the best best kids get drafted and um, you know, trends uh you know sort of transfer into the AFL. At that stage I actually was drafted to the Swans. Being a New South Wales boy, um the Swans were able to draft um kids um any New South Wales kid before the draft. So the Swans said uh, when I was at the age of sort of sixteen, look we're gonna we're gonna draft you and they, they actually took me up to Sydney really early and put me in a boarding school for a couple of years. Mm. I had my first year uh, when I was in year twelve at um at Sydney. Thank you for joining us on This Is Your Football Life across Australia, wherever networked uh, you are, you're listening, and, of course, on the World Wide Web. Our star guest today is Leo Barry, 200-game club, premiership club, all-Australian club. Folks, that is silk. Who were some of your childhood heroes that uh, a lot of our older listeners can relate to, Leo? Oh, I was a yeah, massive uh, Peter Dacos fan. Uh, I used to follow the Pies, so yeah. probably it was probably Peter Dacos and um, Gary Ablett. They were probably the two players that, um, you know, as a kid, sort of kicking around in the park. They were, they, they were the first, uh, <laughs> first names that would come to mind. Come to mind. Not bad uh, as a broadcaster it, too, mate. Getting uh, getting a nice quid, sitting in the best seat in the house, yelling out Yablett and the Macedonian Marvel. It was just great. Um, yeah. Tell us about uh, just a, just just go into a little bit more detail of how you ended up at Sydney because. The greatest name in the game of uh, football, Ron Barassi, was actually coaching them, and you have landed at Harborside. Yeah, yeah. so Ron was there in ninety ninety four uh, and ninety five. Ninety five was my um, was my first first season under the uh, under the great man, and I actually had the uh, the honour of my first game was uh, Ron Barassi's last last game as a coach wow. uh, ever. So yeah, and we uh, we were able to knock off the uh, the old the old pies and, and knock them out of the uh, out of the final series. Yeah, but you uh, know the, yeah. the club was going through a the club was going through a massive transition at that that particular stage. Um, I often refer to it as the uh, the year the club really changed. Like '95, my first year, we uh, we just uh, we just recruited the likes of Paul Roos and uh, the great man Tony Lockett. Um, mm. Mikko Lachlan was uh, also he was in my draft year as well. So there's a there were a few players that um, you know, and the Swans had massive turnover of their their playing list. But that was probably the start of. You know the stabilisation under the guidance of Ron Joseph at that stage, who, yeah. uh, who was able to get you know the likes of those two guys who had a massive impact on the footy club. That was one of the great stories, uh, or the big stories of football ever. You know, I think the biggest was when Ron Barassi left Melbourne and went to Carlton, and Norm Smith uh, was sacked by Melbourne. But Ron Barassi coming out of retirement and coaching Sydney was huge, and uh, I wasn't a part of it, but I was. I was in the room at the time when he came in and told the manager of 3AW and Sam New and myself that he was leaving 3AW to coach Sydney. And I can remember yeah. Sam said, what are you thinking, Ron? He said, I'm thinking that Sydney might go down if I don't go up there and practice what I preach. It's a great story for a man who clearly loved the vision of the national competition, Leo Barry. Yeah, look, Ron had a significant impact on the on the footy club. Um, you know, between sort of ninety, you know, the nineties. Now, it's a wonder that the club was was still around at that stage. Um, and it was a little bit like the Sheedy move. Like Ron, you know, he he was obviously able to, you know, 
put a lot of um, you know his own wealth and knowledge in, into the football club, but also just provide that a bit of a profile or a larger profile in Sydney. I think everyone's you know people have a pretty short memory and realise you know how difficult it was for an established footy club in a um, in the Harbour City. You know it's obviously heavily dominated by you know rugby league and, and rugby union. Probably not not the case now, but Ron definitely put in the, um, the building blocks uh, and established you know the swans on everyone's sort of mind. And you know, subsequently laid the foundation for the um, for the ongoing success in the late nineties and um, and two thousands. Yeah, the ongoing foundation and the success was uh, Ron just getting out and saying, "I've done what I can and the most that I can," and a proven performance in uh, Rocket Ede, Rodney Ede, you know, Hawthorne Premiership star, coming up to Sydney. Exciting times because you actually found direction under his guidance from the forward line to the back line, and there you stayed for the remainder of your years, Leo. Yeah, I, I think it was. I just wasn't getting enough kicks or kicking enough goals up for uh, for the reason for moving, moving back. And it was a little bit hard with um, you know the likes of Plugger uh, up forward. But it, it did take me a bit of time to sort of find my feet. Um, you know, I probably played about sort of four or five years up forward. You know, much of my line had, had quite a few injuries and, and didn't have quite the consistency and. You know, in uh, this 2000 season, um, yeah, Rocket um, decided to move me uh, in the back line just more to get a bit more experience playing on some, some of the better forwards and learning how their, their work rate and, and, and movement patterns are. And, you know, reflecting on it now, that was a, that was a massive um, catalyst for me and my, my own sort of personal career. And I think deep down I was uh, pretty much a, a backman at heart. Um, yeah, almost instant success uh, with Rodney Ede. Uh, Leo uh, playing in the grand final against North and my goodness yeah. me it was a brave man to say 21 minutes in the second term when Plugger kicked his fifth and you were 31 points ahead that it wasn't going to be a fairy tale but Kerry uh, just gathered the troops around and they went bang after half time but I reckon you've got to lose one before you win one yeah, yeah. Look at um, I think what it would have been maybe uh, sixty years since our last sort of premiership at that, that particular stage. But yes. and the club obviously hadn't had any success at all for you know the previous sort of ten years up to '96. So yeah, I suppose you could suggest it was probably a, the club was a little bit ahead of where it probably should have been. Um, you, know, you see with a lot of the good clubs now or uh, teams, you know, you often don't see too many teams come from nowhere to come and, and, and win the win the Holy Grail in, in, in a premiership. So. You know, I think um, you know we we made the finals the next sort of three or four years, but didn't quite reach the levels that um, that we had succeeded at. But you know, there were a few few players that were around the club that um, were around there in 2005 as well. And again uh, in 2002, uh, former player and an absolute star in Paul Ruse uh, comes to the club. Was it another transition? Was it similar? Uh, what did you see the main difference between the transition of uh, the the Brassy to Weed? to Ruse era. Was there a lot of change or was it just uh, getting things right on the field, the most important part of the uh, the game that we know? Yeah, look, I think each of the coaches have their own sort of personal view and the way they coach. Um, I think a lot of it just came down to maybe the personnel and the players we, we had. Um, you know, obviously under Barras, we're still, so, still developing and just trying to get a, a competitive team on the paddock. Rodney you know, showed the uh, or demonstrated in '96 that uh, the, the work that Brass had um, had been able to do, and you know, even when we got to sort of the late sort of 2000, uh, sorry, early 2000, when um, you know Ruzi took over, you know, we did have a lot of players. You know, Paul Kelly, Andrew Dunkley, um, Darren Creswell, you know, a couple of the older statesmen that um, ended up 
uh, retiring that it was almost a shift of um, some of the new players uh, and also some of the guys we've got from other clubs. You know, Barry Hall was a he was an integral part of that, and I think what Ruzi was able to to do was almost a um, sort of a not so much a misfit, but he he was able to draft a lot of guys from you know other clubs that. You know, it's almost that money ball type scenario. You know, picking guys up from other clubs and just having belief in, you know, the players on his existing list. And you know, the changes and the uh, the belief he instilled in all the playing and the playing group was was massive. And you know, at the end of 2000, you know, we missed the finals. I think we finished sort of ninth or tenth. But um, you know, Ruzi had been an assistant coach for a couple of years. Um, you know, he's very well liked, very well respected as a, as a player. He's, he was a superstar as a player. But um, yeah, the belief he was able to sort of instill in, in the playing group and and, per, and me personally was um, was instrumental. And over the next sort of three years, we we sort of moulded our game plan, and um, subsequently, uh, it all paid off in um, in '05. Leo Barry joins us, folks. And out of the break, please join us again or stay with us because uh, this is a great story. It gets to the real crescendo, a grand final win, and our guest taking a mark that will be just known forevermore as Leo Barry U-Star. 80 years ago today, the Tobin Brothers Funerals was founded by brothers Leo, Fonts, Thomas and Kevin. The first Tobin Brothers branch opened in North Melbourne and these days is home to their head office and chapel. Today, Tobin Brothers Funerals is still owned by the Tobin family and is a trusted household name with 22 locations, over 190 trained professionals. Find out more at tobinbrothers.com.au. The significance of this uh, program is to celebrate the football life of our champions, and that's what Tobins do very, very much. Leo Barry will join us out of the break, and check us out on Twitter at Rex Football Life. And this is your football life for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Yibbity yibbity, folks, celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. So Leo Barry in the back pocket. Heads along the boundary line. Oh, good mark by Cox. Cox throws it onto the left. One last roll of the dice for the What a great description by Stephen Quartermain. I was calling on 3RW at the time and I just couldn't come up with any superlatives because I just <laughs> couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe later on you didn't hear the siren, but what does it matter? History shows that you've won the game. Take us back to Cox intercepting your relieving kick on the left half-back flank and banging it straight back. You saw it in the air. You're doing it again. Take our kids listening today right through. This is my ball. Well, I was, I was, uh, I, I was the actual the guy that kicked it out. So yep. um, I was sort of sitting still in the in the back pocket of that stage. The umpire actually called um, play on a bit quicker than I than I thought. You know, trying to get the game moving um, <clears throat> after the long kick. Good he was actually on on short, um, but I just thought I'd just go the old uh, the old safe uh, safety calls down just long down, down to the ruckman because uh, Darren Jolly just shifted it across the wing. Um, at that stage, you know, I was literally still st- st- standing in the same spot, just uh, admiring the uh, admiring my kick. 
Um, and Cox is, um, you know, he, he obviously took a, a great mark and played on straight away. It was almost just sort of sheer fear. Um, yeah. the first, my first and only thought was to mark to mark the ball. Um, didn't know who was there. Didn't know how many players were there. Actually, we didn't even really know how much was left on the clock. Um, and it was just sort of sheer fright. And I, you know, I always sort of back myself, and Ruzi always back me. If you think you can mark it, just yeah. go for it. Um, and if you know, worst case scenario, you know, the ball may have spilled, but at least um, they would have taken a, a contested mark. If you didn't take the mark, they didn't. And, yeah, that's exactly and, right. And, and, and Ruzi, Ruzi gave you a license, and he backed you. Isn't it lovely? When you get the bloke steering the ship who just says, I'm relying on you, you make your own judgment. It just frees any, you know, doubt and, and you can do what you did. Yeah, look, yeah, it's not, not, it wasn't for everyone, but Ruzi, uh, he was good at identifying, you know, everyone's strengths, uh, strengths and weaknesses. And, um, you know, for me, it was he kept it pretty basic and simple. If you think market, go for it. Um, you know, take guys on. You know, run around. If you make a blue, don't don't worry about it. Just worry about the next uh, next contest. Mm. And yeah, you know, that's what I sort of took into my game. Leo Barry is with us. He's a star. Just ask Stephen Quartermain, but just ask us here at This Is Your Football Life for Tobin Brothers celebrating lives. Uh, it nearly didn't happen seven days earlier uh, at the Harbourside Sydney Cricket Ground. Geelong were playing beautifully. They were four goals up. Uh, enter Nick Davis. Uh, I think Anthony Hudson goes down in folklore too when he kicked that uh, after Jolly got it to him and he said, I see yeah. it, but I don't believe it. You were seeing it from the other end of the ground. Were you believing it at the time? It was unbelievable. It was um, it was actually yeah, a bit of a story of the game. The actual... Um, and look, Geelong played exceptionally well for that day, but um, the uh, SCG staff had actually left the... It was a shocking game, the first, uh, first three quarters or whatever. The SCG, because it was a Friday night game, they actually left the sprinklers on. Oh, horrible. And the, the game was horrific. It was wet. It, was, it wasn't a very good spectacle. Um, look, and we, we didn't play that well up to that particular stage, but um, one man's brilliance in the in the last quarter, and I don't know whether you'll ever see you know brilliant from one particular player to have such an impact on a game as uh, as Nick Davis did in that uh, in that last quarter. It was unbelievable. We only kicked three or four goals up to that at that stage of the game, and uh, for Davo to come out and kick you know three or four you know in that in that last quarter was just absolutely unbelievable. Mm. We knew. Yeah, honestly, in the last quarter, I'm thinking, oh, geez, we've got Mad Monday. What uh, on uh, on Monday? You know, where are we going? We we were absolutely done and dusted. Yeah. But um, yeah, and to kick the goal, you know, literally with one second to go, it was uh, it was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it was an era uh, when you and your opposition across the Nullarbor West Coast, uh, there was an absolute bees dick in it. You know what I mean? They'd win by mm. two points. You were, it, it must have been great rivalry, but doesn't it, when you see them down the track a bit, it, it creates a great deal of respect. I know that you know, with my years in Richmond so long ago, but when you see a Carlton person who would go onto the football ground to try and actually maim you and beat you and that sort of thing, there's just that respect when you shake hands and you squeeze the hand and you look in each other's eyes. Do you do you find that yourself? Yeah, very much. Not that not that I've sort of crossed paths with too many too many West Coast guys. Um, uh, Mark Stevie was obviously at the Swans um, for a couple of years, but but you know you, you reflect on the games and it was you can't you cannot get a, a closer uh, rivalry um, through those sort of two two year two to three year period. It was you know. The margin after sort of ten games was only about twenty twenty five points. It was unbelievable, and even after the O six grand final, I think we had another one point uh, loss to those guys. So look, we had a huge amount of respect for them, and I think it, it 
goes both ways. They were a, um, you know, probably one of the best midfield um, uh, teams, you know, going around over the last sort of, you know, 15 to 20 years. And, um, you know, we just tried to hang on for dear life. Um, you know, we really had a lot of run with roles through the midfield. I think our forward line were probably um, were probably a little bit little bit stronger than them, but yeah, and they had a, a very solid sort of defence. Um, you know, we played one on one football. Uh, you know, West Coast were, were were very much along those sort of lines as well. And um, you know, uh, the two grand finals, and that's that's the reason, and that's why people love footy and and go to the football is you know nice close contests. They weren't maybe not the most high high scoring, but they were just brutal battles. You know, it was aggress- aggressive tackling. You know, one-on-one football, not, none of the flooding. And, uh, you know, you reflect and sometimes I, I see a few games now just on Fox footy when they do the old reruns. And they're bloody, they're great games. Yeah. Absolutely great games. They are great. Leo Barry joins us for This Is Your Football Life on behalf of Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives. 184 centimetres, you know, uh, just on the borderline of uh, a, of a key position player, but your, your leap made uh, sure that you could actually go with the best it wasn't in an era that every week you're up against a man mountain, you know what I mean? And, and a goal-kicking machine, you know, Lloyd and Favola and Gehrig and before that, Dunstall, Lockett and Ablett. It, it, I tell you what, it was traumatising to play full-back. But with, not, not, <laughs> not so today, but every week you went up against a champion who could just absolutely tear you apart. Yeah, it's um, yeah. There's a few days I, I probably uh, I probably had to lower the colours, but uh, yeah, I, you reflect and look back on some of the players I used to play on, and you've, you've mentioned a few. Matty, Matty Richardson, he was he's another one oh, yeah. who I had, I had a couple of games, but um, yeah, it's it's funny now when I sort of see players, and um, yeah, one of my only just sort of just over six foot. Yeah, sometimes I used to wonder how I used to do it myself. But you know, when you when you sort of train and play, and you're really focused on it, was uh, I, I really enjoyed the challenge. Um, and look, there were days where I had, had goals kicked on me, but I think um, you know probably this, one of my strengths is uh, you know obviously you know, be running, my run and jump, and uh, a bit of speed. But uh, I was just really competitive. Um, you know, I, I I learned to deal with um, you know. Getting a, making a blue or making a mistake pretty quickly and just focusing on the next contest and uh, yeah. that's something that I worked really well with um, with Ruzi and he sort of helped to, helped drill me. You know, there might have been games where I might have had sort of three or four kicked on me, but um, Ruzi never moved me and he always just left me left left me on the you know the direct opponent. So yeah, and I had the old uh, the old thought, you know. You, Fair enough. You might might concede a couple of goals here, but you know when when you get hold of the ball, try and um, try and make them pay on the other other way. And me being a little bit shorter, but a little bit more agile than some of the bigger blokes, if I if I were able to get my hands on the ball, and you know no better place to start a you know a real off- offensive launch than um, from being down near fullback. Before we let you go, how did the ten year reunion go? You know, a lot of old blokes like me, we're coming up for a fifty year one a couple of years at Richmond and that. So how did the ten year reunion uh, the, the Swans lost, but it looked like a pretty yeah. jovial night in the grandstand and a few aisles enjoyed and a few memories and uh, that will that will go with you for your entire life. Was it a great time to be around and reflect? Yeah, it was yeah, look the, the Swans to the credit, um they did it exceptionally well. It was a fantastic night. Um all the players and staff uh, attended. There's only there's two guys, uh, Snyder and um, Adam Snyder and Sean Dempster, were still playing uh, yeah. for St Kilda. But um, we pretty much had, you know, full attendance. All, all the coaching staff and even the um, support staff, you know, went to the game. The result wasn't uh, wasn't uh, you know uh, too good, but it was it was good to be back at the footy club and 
like anything, you know, you, you're mates with all those players, but nowadays you don't really catch up with that, that many guys. But it's, it was always good to you know, reminisce and, uh, you know, reflect on uh, what we achieved. And, you know, uh, I certainly look forward to the... Uh, the uh, 20 year reunion that's for sure and uh, just before we go just briefly your private life is going well and uh, your stockbroking and you'd obviously planned for this when you were playing and you're in a pretty good place and you should be very proud of your record because it just stands the test of time yeah yeah no uh, life after footy it, it you know uh, you know people people probably haven't been involved in football when you when you play for so long in some respects you almost become a little bit institutionalized because you're so used to a routine and you know, regardless of you, whether you play sort of 20 games or, or sort of 200 games, the transition's always really hard and it's always an ongoing battle even for, for current players. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I just continue to study pretty much through my whole career and, you know, did a bit of work experience as well at Citibank. So I, I tried as best I could to sort of you know, help set myself up for a life after football and, um, you know, having just moved down from Sydney, I'd sort of finished it um, after I finished footy. I got a job at Merrill Lynch, one of the big uh, stockbrokers in Sydney. And um, subsequently, I've just moved down to Melbourne um, working for a fund who I used to uh, used to broke to. So I'm more on the, on the buy side now and just look at, uh, look at stocks all day. Really appreciate your time because we wanted to reminisce and we wanted you to actually celebrate what you've done and just realise that when the history of the game is written, you and that wonderful team and that era from Harborside will take their rightful place in the history. And we thank you for your time today, Leo Barry. No worries. Thanks, Rex. If you'd like to hear extended versions of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. Leo Barry has been today our star on This Is Your Football Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating lives. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.